Good evening and welcome to tonight's show from DJN TV, Disc Jockey News TV. Tonight's show is brought to you by Electra Voice, DJ Event Planner, DJ Trivia, Odyssey Innovative Designs and Cases, NLFX Professional, Promo Only, and the DJ and TV Insiders. Hello and welcome to the DJ Spotlight. Thank you so much, Lori, for joining us here on the episode. Really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thank you for having me. Of course. So can you paint us a picture? What did the early beginnings of your career look like? And how did that kind of get you to where you are today? Well, I kind of just stumbled upon it. Like, I remember I was out at a, this top 40 bar. I guess I was about 17 years old with my fake ID and I got in a fight with my girlfriends. And so I'm kind of wandering around downtown and, you know, because they wanted to go with some guys or whatever. I'm crying, wandering around downtown. And I uh, walked into this, um, what was this like a black kind of building with like, I could hear this, you know, and I'm like, I had to go to the bathroom. So I walk into this place and uh, it was this after hours in Victoria used to be called Basics. And this was probably in 1995, I guess. And, uh, you know, I was like, wow, I go to the bathroom and there's like a guy DJing um, uh, like some kind of down tempo and jazz in the woman's bathroom. And I was like, wow. And they kind of people took me under their arms and they took my clothes and gave me some like fluffy stuff and a couple, you know, um, <laughs> glow sticks. And I was ready to go, you know, and I was like, what is this? Everyone's so nice. And it was uh, back when it wasn't kind of a style. It was like, there was goths, there was punks, there was, you know, you know, dorky people, the people that, you know, had nowhere to fit in and, and everyone was kind of welcome, you know? So I was just like, wow. And uh, so I sold my CD collection that I had and I bought like four records with it because they used to cost like 30 bucks each at the time. And uh, I was, uh, I was dating at the time, um, DJ Kush from Victoria and he was kind of the one like him running up foster um and those guys they were the ones that kind of taught me the ropes but they were very kind of strict with it they were like all right here's the turntables figure out how, how it works you know this, this is how they work and now figure it out I'm like, okay you know but i can thank them to this day kind of for keeping my you know kind of uh, the, the sincerity to myself and and my principles and my morals of what i wanted to do with my djing because i definitely could have taken off in many different directions at certain points in my career um, to make a lot more money, you know, instead of staying kind of in this underground genre that I did. Um, I kind of went outside of that when I did my live act phonics, it was like a German electropop band. But, um, you know, I just kind of started waiting at the end of the lines, the guys DJing and one night I was just, one guy was taking too long checking for his record and I just pulled out his headphones, threw mine on, started playing and, yeah, and everyone's kind of screaming, and the promoter's like, no, no, take her off, you know, and it kind of just went from there, and, <laughs> and then I felt I kind of was getting too big for myself, so I was like, I need to move, and so I moved to uh, London with my record bag in 97, and uh, I was there for a year, and then I moved back to Victoria, and I was like, oh, nope, too big for this, and then I moved to New York, and then I was there for like six years, and I kind of got into the um, uh, more 
kind of uh, music business side. I was doing A&R for Sony, Sony Music and I uh, did a lot of college radio stuff and, and I was flying back and forth to Europe every weekend and yeah, it was a pretty, pretty New York really made me like if that was a really a place that gave me a lot of the fundamentals of, um, you know, doing business and uh, how to get ahead and, and uh, how to how to really, you know, play the game properly. And without New York, it would have been, you know, I don't know what, what I would have been. Unfortunately, when 9-11 came, I ended up moving to Europe because it kind of just like paralyzed the city and I was there when it happened. So it was uh yeah it was pretty pretty devastating so um yeah and then that kind of now we're fast forward from 1994 to or 95 to 2000 uh 2001 that's about where that takes us to so I didn't even know I was going to do this I I just kind of started and before I knew it like I was still in high school and like before I knew it like I was in Tokyo on the weekends and you know going back to playing <laughs> playing like you know spin the bottle <laughs> And all of a sudden, I was just a DJ. But isn't that so interesting? Because people will say, I don't want to, I don't know what I want to do. Like, I don't know what my career is going to be. But sometimes it's just experimenting to figure out, hey, this is what I want to do. And I love that the people that you were um, kind of saying like, hey, here's how the turntables work. Figure it out yourself. It's kind of cool that they went that route because sometimes people can be so rigid and this is the way to DJ and this is the only way to DJ. Just allowing you to figure that out on your own and... Sure, sure. Well, it all comes down to taste so much really in the end because like I don't care if someone's beat matching, well, not really today beat matching, but if they're beat matching um, records together that are horrible music, I would rather have someone who can't play that has really good taste and good motives, you know, than someone who's like, okay this is how you do it. And I've got these top tracks and, you know, taste is, you know, it, it's funny now after taking this break for a while, it's like I go into a club and well, it's only been a couple of times, but I'll go into a club and I used to be like, you know, like this music sucks, you know, picking apart the DJ and really, you know, and now because I've kind of opened my mind more to different styles and genres and I'm not so, you know, I don't know, having this chip, I guess, on my shoulder or whatever, you know, it makes life a lot more fun uh, and music to listen to because I just kind of like, okay, well, I'm just here as a person coming here. You know, I'm not in all mags, I had to wait in line or pay the fee or, you know, whatever. Um, and it's kind of like, it's just a whole different experience. Oh, I love your awareness. That is so amazing. And I love that because there are a lot of DJs out there that are, you know, maybe more on the snooty side. They want music to be mixed a certain way. They want a certain type of music. And I love your openness towards what's going on um, in the industry, the different types of music. And that, again, you'd rather like hear amazing track selection than those minute little, uh-oh, they like slipped or the yeah, oh, they accidentally, I was forced to like kind of go into different genres. Like after my kind of hiatus, I went on to Beatport and I was like, whoa, there's 10 genres I've never even heard of. <laughs> I'm like, hmm, <laughs> what's this, you know? And so it's like now, now when I'm kind of starting to play again, it's like I, I have like, I've been going through all my promos and of the, you know, I'm surprised they even kept me on the list, but I'm going through, I have thousands of promos I've been downloading and you know, just getting all this stuff, which is more from the house to techno range, you know, but um, now I'm like, wow, this is kind of also another 
opportunity for me to kind of reinvent myself musically um, because there are so many different, you know, genres now that are out there and it's not necessarily now that this kind of um, bass music and whatnot was before at the beginning, it was more just for kids, you know, it was like what the kids were listening to, but now it's kind of evolved. And, um, you know, I've definitely found a lot of um, artists kind of outside of the electronic music industry that kind of use some of this bass music and, and dubstep kind of stuff um, with their tracks with rock and with, um, you know, different genres. And that's where I quite find it interesting. And that's kind of what we'll get to later when I've been kind of working with my live project that I'm doing, you know, so you've had so much experience in the industry, uh, but you actually decided to unplug for a while. And I'd love to touch on that. Uh, maybe you could run us through how you knew it was time and why. Well, um, I didn't really at first really even know I was planning on unplugging. I guess I had kind of already grabbed the cord at this point without knowing. Um, I was living in Europe. I lived in Austria for 12 years and I did events over there and DJed all over Europe. And um, I uh, was married um, to an Italian um, who we worked on my, my uh, label flavor together and stuff. And then I found out that um, my dad was dying and my grandmother was also dying. And, you know, I spent probably 20 years of my life at that point away from my family, you know, so I kind of had to decide at that moment whether I was going to stick to my kind of, uh, no, I'm going to do my career and, you know, cause I was on a great path, you know, we had, you know, we were, I was at a real peak over there. Um, and, uh, but I knew that if I, if I did that and I left my family to die <laughs> at home in Canada without me going back there, um, I knew I could never forgive myself for that. So I had hoped that I could just kind of come back over here. I moved to Toronto first. And uh, just kind of, you know, hop back in. I mean, I had sold a lot of my stuff there and I my, my apartment and whatnot. So I had some money. And so I kind of used my money in Toronto to throw parties and to, you know, get my label going. And, you know, we got lots of releases out. But, you know, it was silly for me, which I think now where the humility comes in, which humility comes with great growth, um, to think that I could have just you know, headline parties in 97 and think that I could come back in 2011 and just kind of pick up where I left off, you know? <laughs> so it was, um, it was a, a year of really learning through that. And then uh, we ended up moving to Vancouver so I could be closer to my family because I'm like, why am I back from Europe if I'm all the way in Toronto, you know? So um, I went back to, uh, to Vancouver and then to Victoria. And uh, at that point, um, I kind of just... I did this after hours for a while and uh, kind of just started recording and doing these little parties and stuff. And it, it worked out great and it was a lot of fun. But um, then I got to the point where I'm just like, you know, I can't spend all of this time focusing on this because I'm still not giving it to my family. And so that was kind of the moment when I decided to kind of take a step back from it. But I didn't, I didn't realize it was going to be for this long. You know, I, I moved down to San Francisco just to kind of um, to get away from kind of find a new pattern, you know, wake up every day in a new place, wake up every day with new, new things to do, and then kind of get out of what you, what I've been doing for the last 25 years, you know? Oh, man. Yeah, I think, and that's such a relatable experience for a lot of people just getting to this point in their careers where they're like, maybe it's time to take a break. Maybe it's time to refocus my energy. Maybe you know, people are starting families um, for a lot of women that are 
yeah. pregnant. I know for myself, I took quite a few months off. Um, and we're just, you know, the party lifestyle. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's a big part of it. and the purpose too. I mean, it's like, yes. you want to have more meaning in what you do, you know? And I kind of, I remember when I got to the point when I couldn't write, um, lyrics anymore because, uh, I felt I didn't have anything to say. And I think that people shouldn't write if they don't have anything to say, or at least, you know, put it out there. Cause I'd be listening to these tracks, you know, with absolutely no substance from vocally, you know, maybe the singer was great and the track was great, but there was nothing to that. And so I was just like, eh, you know? And so I, I realized kind of when I got to that point, when I was, you know, started to listen to some of my tracks that I was writing and it was just very, you know, didn't really have anything that hadn't been done before, you know? And I was like, well, I don't want to be doing something that's been done. I don't want to be saying something that's been said. And so I need to just kind of then take a break and kind of stop and find out who I am again. Um, Cause you kind of forget that um, when you're kind of just putting on the smile for the cameras and being, you know, hi, Hey, hi, how's it going? You know, I'm, I'm like, was I actually nice? And I'm always thinking like in the past, I'm like, man, I used to be a real bitch. And then I'm talking to people they are like, no, Laura, you're always so nice. And I'm thinking, you know what? It's probably because it wasn't sincere. In my memory, I'm remembering being a bitch because it was probably in the back of my head that I was like, oh yeah, but I was actually like, hey, how's it going? Like I always kept a very professional front, you know, but I was like, no, I don't want to be like that. I want to actually be genuine and sincere, you know? It sounds like you almost needed to redefine new goals. Yeah. In coming back to it. Um, because I know for artists, when we're really driven, we'll set these goals for ourselves and then realize, okay, I've accomplished everything. I'm not, you know, you're, you're almost, you're, you're complacent, right? You're used to everything that you're doing and everything is easy. You're not really learning skills. And I really like that you mentioned the part about like your own self-awareness of like, it sounds like you knew inside you weren't really feeling it, but you were putting on this front. And I, again, I feel like this is so relatable. I know for myself, there have been times where I'm like, I had a really shitty night, but I was trying to like <laughs> look calm and cool and collected because anytime I did show just like, just an inkling of like, not happy. Someone would say like, you you were kind of bitchy to me. And I'm like, <laughs> Was I fighting with my boyfriend? Like, I don't know. But it it can be scary to be vulnerable. Yeah, I was saying when you when you kind of stop and try to figure out, like, who you really are, it's like, it's a really difficult thing to do to actually try to see, like, what your real motives are, what your real, you know, morals are, and what your kind of um, principles are, what you've been living by, you know, and... Uh, and that's when it was like, kind of, I was really like, whoa. And I found out too, that was kind of a point when I was kind of started to do that towards the end before I unplugged. And I found out my success rate at things started to go lower because, you know, when you're not just like success forward, me, don't care who you step on, you know, you know, you're very successful. And, you know, when you have that feeling of when you walk in, like, I'm the best, I can do anything I can, you know, and don't question that you're really successful. But when you actually start to become kind of honest with yourself, you start to then feel 
a little bit more insecure and you start to feel more honest and you start to, you know, worry more and, and, and be nicer and, and less cutthroat. And those things don't necessarily go along with success. <laughs> it's so, yeah, it is so true because if you feel like you're the smartest person in the room and you have nothing to learn, like you're, you're, you're not doing good. <laughs> yeah. Well, you I mean, it's listening. You know, I used to talk, we did this documentary and um, I quit drinking about seven years ago and uh, it wasn't because of this, but you know, we had done this documentary and we were filming, it was called Flave the World, Save the World. And we filmed kind of in my apartment. I had like six DJs living with me and we were, you know, traveling around and whatnot. And I watched this footage afterwards and pretty much it was like me drunk, slurring, talking. Like, I don't think I let anyone else get a word edgewise in. I'm just like, hey, somebody, yeah, you know, and just like, I was like, oh my God. And I'm like fast forwarding, like there must be something where I shut up, you know, and like there wasn't. And I'm like, man, I'm like, I really need to start listening. And I have been, you know, now do that much more. Sometimes I go out, people are like, Lori, I barely even know you. You're so quiet. You know, it's like, well, it's because I'm observing and, you know, taking it all in. So let's talk about habits because, I mean, in order to build this new foundation to start, start up that career again, what were some of the habits that you started implementing into your life? Well, um, I definitely kind of, first thing was kind of got anything toxic out, you know, anything that was from relationships, from, you know, substances, from, you know, uh, habits, any kind of things that were, you know, toxic in my life, try to, you know, shove them to the side as much as possible. Um, some of them always creep back in, but as long as, you know, you manage everything. Um, and, uh, and then I just tried to, you know, I tried to not, not first was just not start before I was ready. Like I had a lot of opportunities to play and to, um, you know, to go in the studio over the past couple of years, but I've, seen in many careers that um you know if you have an opportunity and you're not ready for it it can be more detrimental to your career than not doing it at all um i know i've seen djs that have been kind of super excited and i've tried to give the advice to these people but they think that i'm just i don't know jealous or whatever but you know they'll get these gigs at places where they're actually not at that level yet and you know i offer my advice saying you know don't take it because you're not there yet you know, and they're like, oh, what do you know? You know, well, actually, I know quite a bit, you know, and uh, what I do know is that, you know, I've seen people ruin their careers by getting into a place where even the peers around them know that they're not ready. And they're like, hey, you haven't, you know, you're not, you're not here yet. And then that, that's kind of the end of it. Because uh, they always say like, any review is a good review. But no, I don't believe that. A bad review about somebody trying to get ahead of their game and jump, jump the boat, you know, before they're ready isn't really a good review. It's just like, man, this DJ sucked. They couldn't play. Da, da, da. It's just like, yeah. And especially at that level, if you're going to be booked for an event, just because you know somebody or whatever, don't take the favor, work your way up. It'll be more, more longevity. And so when you say that, uh, like a bunch of different examples pop up in my head, but I'm curious about what that would look like for you when you're giving advice to someone of the, hey, I don't think you're ready. What is it about them not being ready? Say, for example, for a very specific DJ gig, what would that look like? What about? It's more mentally, not even necessarily how they play or what they, you know, how, what they 
do or whatnot. They could go up there and, you know, play like a champ, but it's when you get thrown into then the high touring schedule, the having to, you know, do the interviews, the DJing, the this, the that, there's so many things. And if you're not mentally ready for it, I mean, even just look at, unfortunately, the sadness of Avicii not long ago committed suicide, you know, um, it's like someone like him, he was thrown into it, of course, loved it, but he just, he wasn't ready for it mentally, you know, and no one really understood how that can be. And that where it comes back, and we're going to talk about like the mental health of artists and what it does to somebody and you know what it's what it did to me which I didn't even realize it had been doing you know over the years and the impact and you see more and more people you know um taking their own lives because they just don't know any other route you know thank you for specifying that because sometimes people say you know you're not ready for a DJ gig and they're thinking oh what you don't think I have the skills or the track selection but you are so on point with that message because and I've talked to other DJs about this before that have gotten opportunities to go touring and they were not mentally prepared for it you know they're not taking care of their physical health their mental health they party too much too quickly yeah too often they burn out and then when they have opportunities to network with the right people or go for meals with you know these headlining acts who are in that mental space themselves they miss out on these opportunities and maybe make a little bit of a fool of themselves um, in the process so thank you for bringing that up I'd love to talk about the mental health uh, aspect of this and maybe some example of the soul searching you did for yourself. Um, give us some insight on that. Um, well, I think as I with this whole thing about kind of like being unplugged from the matrix, it's like, you know, my mom used to always say to me, um, you know, you don't live in reality. You know, you don't, you know, this is not reality. But the thing was for 25 years, that was my reality. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the reality of this kind of always, you know, everything going so well and, and, and this, this party lifestyle and always being, you know, adored and, and, and just feeling good about yourself and always having money and everyone just, you know, giving you things and, and kind of, I never knew anything else. And it was like, wow, you know? And so when I unplugged, I was like, mom, you bitch, like plug me back in, <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I don't want this. I, I want to go back. I want to go back to the, the glitter and the, the, the glow sticks and the rainbows, you know, <laughs> because um, it, it is crazy. Like trying to, you know, you think about what you want to be or what you want, what else you would do. And, um, and uh, it, it starts to, you know, I, I developed um, really severe anxiety um, I developed, uh, almost like a, um, agoraphobia. Um, I developed, um, almost some kind of like manic depression. Um, yeah, over the three years of kind of, you know, trying to figure it out. I, I, I slept for months at a time, you know, um, and, uh, then kind of everyone who I'd associated with before, who was, you know, still into it and stuff. And it's kind of like, well, once you're out and you have nothing else to offer me and you can't get me free tickets for gigs or whatever, they don't really want to help you through your times of whatever, you know. And um, that's when I'd watched this documentary, um, Why We DJ, Slave to the Rhythm, I think it's called. And uh, it had, um, you know, um, kind of testimonials from different artists, one Canadian female DJ from Saskatoon, um, E-Traits, um, and uh, Carl Cox was in it. There was, like, you know, quite a few people I had played with before in the past, you know, and they're saying, you know, it's, it's actually a thing now that, you know, artists 
you know, once you kind of stop or even in the downtime, um, it's a real, um, you know, doozy on your head because of the lack of sleep, drugs, um, alcohol, um, and this whole like facade that you're living in in your head about who you are and what you do and this big, you know, life of being the DJ, you know. And um, so I've kind of now, you know, after watching that, it actually made me feel a lot better. And I was like, wow, this is actually a thing. And so I kind of reached out and kind of started to talk to a few different people who had kind of been in the same situation as me that had been doing it for a long time and kind of wanted to take a break and what happened to them. And, you know, the stories are very similar. And there isn't really any place for people like us to go. Like, TJ's over 40 that got unplugged from the Matrix and <laughs> don't know what to do with themselves, you know. Like, we don't have a crisis line, you know. <laughs> no HR department either. Such no, no. <laughs> So, so yeah, but now, you know, I, I've, over time, you know, I, I just, I started to, I, I, I did a lot of art, you know, lots and lots of art, um, and, uh, lots of gardening and, uh, collecting rocks was actually my thing because rocks are solid that you can put any negativity into them and they don't budge, you know, so having a rock is rock solid, so it can take whatever you're giving it. So I would exercise by hauling around rocks and I would go collect rocks and, I would, you know, organize rocks and <laughs> sounds kind of weird, but uh, it did a lot for my head, strangely enough. So I, uh, <laughs> I offer that as my <laughs> advice to collect rocks from the beach, <laughs> outdoors, <laughs> sort them, build things with them. <laughs> so knowing what you know now, what are some things that you're going to implement to do differently in your career moving forward? Um, yeah, well, as I said, um, definitely being able to see more of the places that I go, not just seeing the airport, hotel, and after party, <laughs> um, you know, and enjoying that part of it a little bit more and uh, kind of uh, just coming coming in and just being more of a performer than someone to, you know, have the good have a good time with, you know, and being able to focus on that more because that definitely, as it does, give you kind of a closeness to your audience and you can, you know, have these, you know, fun times with them. Really, in the long run, it's kind of to be a little bit more um, hard to reach, you know, is, is actually a bit more interesting for the people. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like knowing what I know now, it's like I always used to question if I would, like, because I kind of just fell into this. Um, and I've been doing it for 10 years before I say, oh my gosh, I'm in my mid-20s now. Like, what do I do? This is obviously my career choice. Um, if I would change that, and I definitely know I wouldn't. Um, but I definitely now, I think it's just, I want to focus more just on the music and not worrying about like how much money I'm making or where I'm playing. And even if it's like a slower into it, taking gigs only that I, you know, want to play at where I fit at instead of just kind of, you know, playing anywhere. Because once again, as you said, with opportunity and timing is bad. Also taking gigs where it isn't quite your fit um, also isn't good, you know, just to take the gig, you know, for your DJ fee or whatever, you know, and also setting boundaries for what I, what I accept, like, what is my, what am I worth to myself, you know, and, and where will I go from that? And how will I, you know, deviate from that for friends or for certain things, you know, and um, kind of like just setting a certain um, level of what you, you expect from promoters or from people or from labels, et cetera. Boundaries are sexy. 
Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> and because it also says a lot about ourselves and what we're willing to put up with. So I, I think that I'm so glad that you highlight that. Uh, I also appreciate the fact that you talk about being more selective with DJ gigs because there's so much time and energy that's put into it. You really want to be doing something that you believe in and working with people that. Exactly. And that's why when you have your list, people have their, you know, their, their, their contract and then what they need. And some people are like, I need my Evian. I need my towel. You know, it's like, okay, no, these are the certain things that I need, you know, technically, these are the certain things that I need, you know, for the place for what it is. And you don't expect like, you know, sure, I do miss the, you know, getting looked around in limos and first class hotels and stuff. But, you know, if it means you devoting more money to your event to better sound than to getting me a $500 hotel room, then so be it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, I can appreciate that. Uh, I know you've just finished your first techno release in like three years. That is so freaking exciting. Um, yeah. It's the beginning of this new solo project. Can you tell us about that process and what it took to make that happen for you? Um, well, it took a lot of digging. Let's say that I had my studio packed up for quite a few years. And so it was, uh, I was getting it set up again. Uh, it was like the right cables and the right plugs. And I'm still missing this one cable for my Roland JXI which I cannot find. And so I'm finally, I'm finally just ordered it. Yeah. <laughs> it's only like $20. It's not much, but it's just like, where could it be? Um, and so uh, basically I, I, I kind of got everything set up and, and I, um, I started to work and I just kind of said, okay, I'm not going to really listen to much what's going on right now. I'm just going to kind of just start, you know, producing and, and start to see what happens and I realized like whoa in three years the technology advances so soon I mean I'll like have my book out for my Ableton and I know all of the you know I go on Beatport I couldn't even figure my way around you know it's like everything changes like so quickly so um it was a kind of a slow going and it kind of was a little bit you know the turn kind of like oh gosh like can I still do this can I still make this work you know am I am I you know still a producer am I, am I still a DJ you know and I know playing is still like second nature to me. I, you know, I just, I played, I didn't even think about it and it was no problem. Um, producing said so just because of the advancements in technology all the time, it definitely was a little bit harder. Um, but you know, I finished the EP and then I'm also, um, I'm a singer and I do, I write a lot of um, lyrics and stuff. I've written for some other people as well. And so now um, this other project I'm doing is um, more of a, it's a live project where I have a, a drummer and um, kind of uh um, my, my keyboard and vocals and I'm doing a little bit of loop recording and whatnot and so I'm kind of and it's not really it's definitely um, on the electronic version it could be in clubs but it wouldn't be say peak time clubbing kind of thing um, it does have you know I'll play a little bit of guitar I play a lot of instruments but nothing very well just enough to record <laughs> you know I have the violin I have the guitar I have the flute clarinet all this kind of stuff um, I would like to add in a trumpet soon um, but uh so it, it's cool just to, you know, take a lot of samples and record. And so, you know, it, it'll be fun to kind of start that live live touring again with that because I had a band Phonics where we were together for 12 years in Austria. We did kind of German electropop and drum and bass and whatnot. And uh, we were kind of almost there. We were so close so many times. Um, and uh, we, we, we did about four or five different music videos, I think actually maybe six, and released three albums. And I, I miss that kind of um, band jamming 
you know, kind of uh, environment as well as that. So probably with my DJing in the future, it'll probably kind of start to fuse all into one eventually. So, but yeah, it's, it's been good. It's just, I feel accomplished now having something finished. And then now this gig in Winnipeg, I'm just so excited to play. And this will kind of be my first show kind of coming back in, you know, a few years. And so it's, uh, yeah, it's a long time coming for sure. <laughs> yes. You're playing at Mimetic. Can you tell us uh, a bit about what that performance might look like? Um, well, I'm still trying to figure out, I mean, it's definitely going to be in the, in the, the techno kind of realm, but um, I might uh, try to incorporate some of my um, live, live show into it um, with some of the instruments and, um, you know, we'll see. I, I've been trying out a lot of things that I don't want to take on too much that I can't chew and bite off more than I can chew, but it's kind of like if I feel at that point I can, you know, get it together. That's what I've been working on. Um, so because, as I said, I want to be able to do something different. I don't want to do what everyone is doing. Because otherwise, you know, there's no point in, in the creative world for creativity that's already there, you know, except for abstract. That's what I do. <laughs> abstract art is already there, but, you know, it can be interpreted in many different ways. So, Yeah, I can appreciate that. And it definitely helps you stand out as an artist that much more. To end off this interview, um, I feel like we probably already talked about a lot of it, but was there anything additionally you would like people to know about that's going on for you? Any specific events you're super stoked about, uh, projects that you're a part of that you'd like us to all check out? Well, I mean, just if um, kind of, I haven't lasted the last while, I haven't really done a lot of stuff, but I'm trying to update my pages. Um, and uh, if you go to the YouTube dot com slash hi-fi princess um there's a lot of my music videos from phonics and uh a lot of people kind of didn't uh know about that kind of part of my career you know when i was in europe and whatnot and i also had my live act of flaves so we have some live shows on there and um my uh my facebook page is laurie flavor it and uh i'm gonna be trying to post as much as i can i'm gonna try to actually just start recording myself in the studio and just kind of while I'm doing stuff and just, you know, kind of letting people kind of peer into what I'm doing and kind of the process of, you know, how it is to get back at it and where I'm, you know, had some issues and, and uh, how, I'm, how I'm solving those things and whatnot, because probably a lot of people out there that are might be in the same position or could be soon or were, you know, and uh, yeah, they're not the only ones. <laughs> oh, I love that you're doing that. I love, oh my goodness. I feel like, some of my favorite artists, that's what they do. They like showcase what's going on behind the scenes. They talk about what's going on for them and what they're learning. It's just so incredible. Yeah, it makes it more real. <laughs> Lori, thank you so much for taking the You're time welcome. To with me today. I really appreciate it. I hope for the rest of y'all that are tuned into this interview, you've really took something that you said today and you're going to apply it to your career. Let us know in the comments below any insight that she shared that really stood out for you. Let us know how you are going to start utilizing or developing new skills to really up the ante in your career. And as always, make sure you don't let no one kill your vibes.